I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. We're getting into the story of John today on The Breakfast Translation. John, sometimes called the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, and John eats a wild, he's got a wild menu. It's not that weird. <laughs> we'll get into it. But let's start with what's the weirdest thing you've ever Have you ever eaten anything that would go into that? That's a weird thing to eat. So pretty recently we were, I was at work and we were talking about dares and one of my coworkers said, I have a dare for you. Opens up their desk drawer and already has a pack of crickets. (laughs) Are they the ones who brought up the idea of a dare? Because I feel like that's a setup. I don't remember the context, but it felt like a setup. But also I know that those crickets have been in there for a very long time. Um, but I, I have a thing, it's a flaw, but I really like to, uh, I like, I like to live up to dares. So okay. I did, I, um, I, I cried as I was eating <laughs> my coworkers desk crickets. Um, but not just desk crickets. You've already acknowledged that you knew they were like crusty old crickets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you cried. And then I cried, but I did it. Okay. That's how, what bravery how many is. of the crickets? I ate one. Okay. Did you dip it in chocolate or anything to, or put some salt on it or anything? They might have been lightly salted. They were for consumption. They weren't just... Okay. Somebody had prepared Wild them. crickets, yeah. Okay. So uh, that was a gross thing that I did. And how did that, how'd that feel going down? Like, were you like... It, could you distinguish the wings? Yeah. You they could, went down your gullet? That was the problem is... It, it tasted, it truly tasted like sunflower seeds. It was just the texture of its, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I I've, was the person who had the crickets in their desk. Also the first person who was like, let's talk about dares. It, randomly. Must, have, it must have been. And I just I fell like right a, into the trap. That's a long play that yes. that person had. Well, but at the same time he was like, yeah, I'll eat some. And then. So non-event, but... Okay. So mm-hmm. somebody else also ate the crickets? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah, the owner. Um, no, what's fascinating it, about it that... It wasn't you... John the Baptist, though. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty good podcast story. Yeah. If you had encountered John the Baptist. Now, you. what's funny to me about that story is that a lot of people, their like wild eating story is they were traveling. Yes. And they were like in some other culture where the only thing available to them for breakfast was crickets. You were just in Springboro, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. At your regular desk. Yep. Just and all of a sudden, taking like a, it was like a two thirty. <laughs> little, you don't feel like answering another email for a second. Yeah. So like a lot of people in that, uh, that moment would have like a pretzel, pretzel stick or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you decided to go all fear factor. Go all fear factor. Yeah. But now I can say I, I ate the bug thing, which yeah. everybody wants to be able to say that. Yeah. It's the one thing that keeps me from doing reality TV. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be on board with everything else about reality television. But that moment where you have to eat weird stuff, mm-hmm. I would, I'd have to bow out. Yeah. It's in a lot of the shows. Yeah. My answer, I don't have an answer because I, I don't eat weird, weird things. <laughs> I don't even eat things that are normal to everybody else. 
So hamburgers and yes. things like that. Um, I, but I will tell people that I, I've had pink thinner. Yes. Which Have, is, haven't we all at yeah. one point or another? Uh, I started early in life ingesting toxic chemicals. <laughs> um, so I do like, this is documented in our first season is that even though I love talk, like I love, I love our podcast. <laughs> I, love I think it's my favorite podcast. Yeah, it's probably one of my, my favorite hosts at least, uh-huh. you know? Um, but I, I love talking about food and food culture, but that I actually am opposed to a lot of actual food and that I have texture issues that make my diet like that of a five-year-old. So crickets, no go. Yeah. So no to the crickets, not even an ant. Like wow. I once drank a can of Pepsi that had an ant inside of it and it like nightmares to mm. this day about that moment uh, when I realized there was an ant moving around uh, in my mouth. And so I, but I blame that on this story that I don't think is actually part of it. I think I'm just picky because I'm a picky person. Uh, but when I was a baby, my dad was alone with me for one of the first times and they were painting some room in the house. And so they had put some of this paint thinner solvent stuff in apple juice jars and my dad was like, that's confusing. He just got real confused. He was like, this must be apple juice. And maybe it was starting to turn to cider. I don't know. He was like, this is probably delicious and gave me just a little bit of it before he figured out it was not actually apple juice or apple cider. And, but it was enough that I had to go get my little baby stomach pumped. Oh. <laughs> like, and it, I think it burnt my esophagus. Oh, I'm sure. Part of the story. We didn't talk about this story very often. I can imagine why it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be something that it, would be it would a, come a thrill. Up, yeah. It was like this little passing story. And I'd be like, wait, tell me more about that time mm-hmm. when I was poisoned as a baby. Um, but yeah, I blame my decisions to not try wild things. On, on that moment. That would be challenging yeah. to overcome. But what happened, it's, it is kind of nice to have that story in my pocket. Cause when you're a picky eater, people love to play this game with you where they're like, do you eat this? What about this? And they just list what about things. this and this. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, why is this? I, I want to not talk about this anymore. And so I'll just tell them that paint thinner story. And then they'll be like, Oh, oh that's why. So it gets me out of, um, longer conversations about that, even though I've just, I've just subjected us all to it here Hmm. on the podcast, but we bring this up because John, who we've seen already in this story, do you remember Keaton where we saw John? Baby John. Yeah. He's, he's little embryo John. He's he's still in his, in Elizabeth's stomach, uh, baby. He dances when he gets to meet Jesus in the other womb. And so we have this, this picture that his story is tied to the story of Jesus very early on. Right. Uh, Cause they have this simultaneous surprise, beautiful, miraculous pregnancies. And so the glimpse we have of John is a something about him is going to play into the story of Jesus. And by the time we get into Luke three, which is where we are, if you're, if you're reading along with us in Luke three, we start to see John as an adult and uh, he is a preacher type or like a street prophet, right? He's, he's out on the streets kind of just quoting Isaiah uh, and sort of sounding an alarm that God is about to do something mm-hmm. and that God is trying to prepare the way for what ends up being Jesus. Right. But he's just kind of 
He's telling people to repent. Yeah, setting yeah. the stage for a big old change. Yeah, he's he's sort of the opening act is a little bit of how you might think of this. Um, now, from Matthew's gospel, we actually get a little bit more detail about who John is as a person. We don't get a lot from Luke. We just jump right into his speeches and his work. Uh, but Matthew gives us like a couple little clues about who he is as a person. Uh, one of which is that he wears camel clothes which that means I don't, that doesn't mean a lot to me, but I kind of, I think I grew up learning that that meant he was kind of a survivalist almost. Mm -hmm. That's what I picture when I think of him. Yeah. That he was kind of set aside that he, he was, he wasn't going to wear anything you could buy at the market, you know, that he had his own style. No Abercrombie. Yeah. He, there was a drum playing or a song playing that nobody else was hearing. Right. Mm -hmm. is kind of the picture I got of John. Uh, in addition to that, it tells us in Matthew that he eats locust and wild honey, that that's his breakfast. So we don't even really have to wonder. We get this very telling note about who he is, that he kind of lives off the ground, like right. whatever's in front of him. And even if it's locusts. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess maybe locusts, that could also mean like crickets. Right. So we think of locusts in Ohio as like they come every seven years. So mm -hmm. they didn't like it to eat. So that, yeah, he was only eating once every seven <laughs> yeah. years. But the, that year he just had so much. Mm -hmm. Sustained him. Right. Um, but I found this note and this is from a guy named James Tabor, uh, who's a professor at the University of North Carolina, who has a blog about this passage. And he digs into the Greek language and talks about how uh, the word there. Uh, for locusts is similar to a Greek word that's something more like pancake. <laughs> and so okay. It's a big switch, though, I think, to go from this, the picture that we have, if we have a picture of John the that's Baptist, wild, it is that man. He's, he's a wild, live off the earth, just pick the cricket up from the ground and, you know, put it in a bowl of, of milk for cereal like that, that he's just living off the earth or, or he's the kind of person who eats pancakes. Now Mickey mouse pancakes. Yeah, no, it, no, to be fair, it's not us making pancakes in the coziness of our kitchen. Yeah. It's something more like uh, the, the story that's in the Hebrew scriptures of when they are in the desert and they come across what they call manna, which is like, kind of like a bread like substance that nobody can find like an earthly origin for it. So it seems to be this kind of food that materializes when you're in the desert that you just need. Um, it's just there when you need it. You know, it's not like you can't go buy manna at the store, but when you're in a season of being in the desert and all of a sudden there's some kind of substance there to keep you going, they give that the name manna. manna. So it's not really like, Sustenance. it's not pancakes that you put syrup on and, and chocolate chips and all those. <laughs> he's not that guy, but there's a chance that he's also not the cricket guy. Okay. But he is. I guess the, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. You're the only cricket uh, eater and in the story of God. So, <laughs> um, but it, either way, whatever it is, if it's, Desert pancakes or honey cakes or uh, crickets off the ground. It is a sense that John is very dependent on God to provide his his food and clothes, you know, that he is living closer um, 
to that sort of what we would, I think in our culture, talk about sustainability, you know, that there's not some big, long process uh, from the cricket on the ground to his meal. It's a very simple process for John, um, that he is a, he is wild. Um, let's talk just for a minute about his message, right? Because his primary message, uh, is to repent. So the thing that he is sort of saying to the world is get ready for change. And I think if you're the person who's trying to tell everybody to get ready for change, you have to be in camel clothes. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to yourself be a person who's open to the elements. Oh yeah. You, you can't be the person who's laid your clothes out for days and wears the same chinos every day. Right. You know what I mean? You're on the move. I'm picturing that happening now. If somebody was outside my apartment saying change is coming, like what, what I would picture. Yeah. But they're still wearing like last year's gap selection. You're not going to, you're not going to maybe hear it from them. But if somebody was dressed in something wild that you wouldn't have imagined, and if they were eating things that you wouldn't have imagined, you might at least tune your ear to them. Um, And so here he is, he's this alarm, he's a bell ringer. um, He's wild. And he's telling people, get ready for change and get ready to repent. Um, So it seems worth us just kind of finishing up with talking about change. If, if you heard somebody invite you to change, Keaton, <laughs> how would you feel about that? Are you big to change? Are you big into change? I am. I am a little bit of a self improvement junkie, so I usually am pretty open minded when it comes to that. It definitely would depend on who was um, telling me that change was necessary. Yeah, but I don't know. One of my one of my anecdotes I think of is that I had a a coach in college who would tell me I needed to like shift something in my form, for example, like pick up your knees on this lap. And so I would come around that lap. My knees would be to the sky. <laughs> so my <laughs> advice, overcorrect. yes, yeah. my advice for the second lap would be like, um, maybe, maybe don't do that anymore. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What about, what about you? No, I, uh, I, I like some changes, but again, I want control over those changes, right? You know, like, um, this is a, a silly podcast example, but right now one of my favorite podcasts is in the process of switching from Apple to Spotify, which we would never do. No, we are all translation. <laughs> we want to be available in as many places as possible, uh-huh. but for reasons probably tied to giant contract negotiations, uh, which we've, we've turned down left <laughs> and right to we keep would never active. Sell yeah. Up. yeah. But this podcast, they're just asking me to make a mild change in which button I push on my phone. And I find that hard, <laughs> hard to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and I do think like has a, a younger person, every change seemed interesting and exciting to me. And then there's something that settles in your soul where you're not as open to it. Um, we, if people are, are with us in time, if they're like, if they started with us in December and they're listening to this podcast season with us, um, they, they might be listening to this around new years. Right. And I think of that kind of change that I'm not as like somebody instructing me to change is harder for me as a person, but I am open to, I love like new environments or like 
I like those kind of changes where the situation is changing and it is inviting you to be something else. Mm. So I think a lot about the the transformation I experienced. I don't know if this is universal, but I remember moving from high school to college and suddenly feeling like, oh, there's a, this is like a genuine blank slate. Um, and that thing that happens when you you get a new job or you meet new people and you're like, this is my chance to be something different. Absolutely. And sometimes that plays out. Like, I feel like those are good moments sometimes to, to correct or to self-improve or to change a habit or to try something new. And sometimes you end up just doing the same old, you're still yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. It helps you pinpoint who you are though, I suppose. But I think in, in the last few years, I've really come to like New Year's Eve is almost Christmas to me. Mm. Like I've really come to love that idea of turn of a clock, like a new page, like an all settings back to zero. Mm -hmm. Like I've come to love, not just like that, not like the superficial resolutions, but the possibility of this year could go in a different direction. Um, and that that's always possible. And I was in a conversation with a friend not too long ago who was saying that they just wanted a reset. Mm. And I thought, I think that's what the whole what the whole story of Jesus is. Absolutely. It is the possibility that every Monday morning or every turn of the hour or everything you say out loud or every change in the day or the clock or the moment is an invitation to a reset, you know? And so when John is starting the kingdom of God by saying repent and change, like I think he's setting the tone for that idea that to be a person following Jesus is to say, I get to reset and that's always available to us. And I I think we actually miss that a lot because we get focused on the sort of superficial resolutions. Um, I want to play guitar, which is awesome. Yeah. Have you ever had a resolution work? Have you ever done a a Uh, brand new year, brand new thing? I have had them work for a certain extent of time. Yeah. (laughs) Got like through February or something. Yeah. Mm. I think in, I've switched in last few years to not focusing on habits so much as like a theme. Yes. And this is the thing I think a lot of people do, like they focus on a word or something. Yes. um, I remember one year I, my word for the year was anger. Ah, like I just wanted to pay attention to it. And, uh, so it wasn't necessarily like a commitment to any certain behavior, but it was like, this is the thing I want to learn more about or pay more attention to. And I found that to be a, a, like a useful practice. Yeah, Um, I agree. But I love that. I I think there's something holy about newness Mm -hmm. And, and we get that phrase in scripture that that's the work of Jesus is to make things new. And so I think John is is setting the stage for that by saying, are you in change? Because Jesus is about to say things that nobody's ever heard a person say before. And so he really does. He's a good opening act, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think I've spent a lot of time with John the Baptist, but even just reading it this last time through makes me appreciate that a little bit more. Um, Doesn't make me want weird things for breakfast, but. Even if they're wild desert pancakes, I'm still not sure I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully if you're listening to this, uh, whenever uh, newness is available to you, right? I think that's our, maybe our invitation in this story. 
I uh, feel it. Yeah. Newness is always available to you. Uh, we haven't mentioned that this, this season, but the music that you hear coming in and out of the breakfast translation is from my sister, uh, Chris Reffitt, uh, who was diagnosed with breast cancer and died when she was 34 and uh, was also just a beautiful musician. And I just want to say one thing about Chris is that she used to make me eat dog biscuits. <laughs> So I guess that's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Taking it back to the opener. Yeah. Paint thinner and dog biscuits. She would whenever, not every time, but more than once when our parents would leave us alone, she would convince me to try a dog biscuit. And so they were not good. No. This episode is not brought to you by any specific brand of, of dog biscuits. Thanks for joining us on the Breakfast Translation. 